Welcome to System and Soul, the podcast focused on the human energy that runs your business. I'm Chris White, along with my co-host, Benj Miller. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. Jake, drop that beat. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to System and Soul. Uh, Super excited to bring you Dr. Marisol Papajan. She is the author of Leadership is a Responsibility, and uh, we are really excited. She's a former college professor who's gone out on her own, is now an entrepreneur running her own business. Dr. Marisol, welcome to System and Soul. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited to speak with both of you uh, and to speak with your audience about the importance of responsible leadership. Fantastic. We're, we're going to start. We're going to ask you one question to kick things off before our conversation. And we did, we'd love it if you could share an interesting fact about yourself that we can't Google. Okay. Interesting fact about myself that you can't Google will be that since I was very little, I used to love Shakira. And because I love Shakira, I started to do belly dancing. And then I got into dancing. I, I'm, I used to be, I, I used to dance belly dancing. And that is something you cannot Google or see my professional sites. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Are you still dancing? I'm not dancing, but I'm going back to dancing. I had two kids, so I'm going back to dancing just for fun. But I yeah. remember that one of the things that I loved to do was dancing. I, I, I had my own group of, of dancers. I used to be a choreographer for kids. And I used to be the president of a dance club at college. So I used to dance a lot when I was much younger. And now I think I'm going okay. back. Okay. Fun. I kind of feel a little challenged here, Dr. Marisol. I bet you we could probably go find some video. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Dr. Marisol. When, when, when you look across higher education and that strata and women of color who, like yourself, who are, are on a pathway in the higher education, but you're saying at a point you realized you weren't seeing too many women that look like you. Yes. Yeah, so that's a very interesting question because when I was doing my doctoral degree, my doctoral degree is in education, and the focus of my degree was in higher education, administration, or leadership. And I decided to write a dissertation about the career trajectory of women in leadership positions. So I had to do a lot of reading and, uh, and, and, get, and make sure that I knew the ins and outs of the trajectory of women in higher ed. And I saw that even the woman that makes, that makes it to the top... Um, which are 30% of higher education institutions are led by a woman, 30% across the country. Okay. Um, but then women are usually represented in two-year colleges or public universities, not private universities. Right. And then when you look at the women that are able to make it to the top, very few of them are black women. And that happens also in Fortune 500 companies. We have 8% of CEOs are women but only in less than 2% are black women. So there is a trend where women are able to break barriers and break the glass ceiling, but are usually white women. 
in black women or Afro-Latinas like me, that I'm black and Hispanic, may have a harder time moving up the ladder. We have the accent, we're immigrants, sometimes we come from a low socioeconomic class, and we're women, and sometimes we are taking care of the family. So there is an intersection of identities that we don't talk about. We talk about, well, there is an uneven distribution of power between men and women, right? But yeah. the women that are getting to the top are usually not women that look like me. They're white women. So within that category of women that are able to make it to the top, we're still missing the diversity within that niche. Yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me get real vulnerable for a minute. I want to get your opinion on something. You know, when Chris and I launched this business a uh, year and a half ago, uh, we started certifying other coaches to do what we do. And at one point, Chris and I looked around and said, we are very white and we are very male. And we, we didn't like that. And so we made a, a conscious effort and we've, we've now fixed the male part. We have, a, we have a good number of just rock star women, but we are still very, very white. And I cannot figure out, uh, is it, is it what we do? Is it because we're two white guys? Like, I, I don't know. We're having a lot of trouble uh, because I, I want, we think of our business more of a, a movement than, than even a business. And um, there's so much room for impact. And I don't want to have a business that only impacts, you know, through white coaches that serve white businesses, right? Like mm -hmm. we're, we're bigger than that. It's the kingdom's bigger than that. And so how do we, uh, so what do you think our problem is? Well, <laughs> senior business model. Okay, that's your soul. I'm going to lay down. Okay, no, but what I will tell you that first, you know, this opinion, whatever opinion I have is based on the conversation we're having right now. I haven't yeah. seen like the way right. you do marketing or the way that sure. you're trying or where you go to market your business, which I think is a, a component is where you're going to market your business, where you're trying to look for, for clients, uh, what audiences are you trying to recruit? And then when you are going through these audiences, are you speaking to them? Are you speaking to them in a language that they can understand? We're talking businesses that you have to like make sure that you understand your audience's pain point, right? Yeah. right. So are you doing that with the audience that you're trying to reach? So I will just look at the messaging because, um, you know, and this happens too in Latino, we have next month the Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah. I'm a Latina, right? So yeah. let's step a little bit aside. I'm, I'm going to talk about the Latino community. And I look at many Latino nonprofits or movements that they're trying to go out and say, we're for Latinos. Here we are, uplift Latino Literature, there is not one Latino that look like me. Right. <laughs> Most of the Latinos in the pictures are white Latinos. So we have within our own community what is called colorism, right? So if you're lighter skin, then you get more opportunities. You're more represented in the media. I'm from the Dominican Republic, right? And when I was growing up, one of the things I wanted to do was to be on TV. I love TV. I love what we're doing right now. I like to speak. I think I can have a segment on a TV channel <laughs> and I will truly enjoy it, right? But I remember when I came home one day to my grandmother and said, I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be a TV host. I want to have my own show. My grandmother just looked at me saying, do you know how hard it's going to be for you 
because there is not an Afro-Latina that looks like you on TV. So if I don't see myself represented, then I feel like I don't belong there. It's going to be much harder for me to get there. And it's very sad because 80% of the Dominican population look like me. Yeah. But the people that are representing us, and you can see that in soap operas, let's say soap operas from Mexico, Colombia, you see who they choose to represent is, is usually the five or 10% of the population that are white. So what happens is they need the representation. And I know that, which, I mean, business owners, some business owners take advantage of that the wrong way, right? Because what we see in the DEI space or diversity, equity, and inclusion space is that sometimes they have one or two black women, right? And they choose their picture to heavily market right. <laughs> that they're inclusive. So that's performative allyship. That's like a totally different, you know, we can go into that rabbit hole. Uh, but representation matters. Well, I, you know, and I, I hate when, I, I hate that too. So I have a marketing company. And so we deal with this all the time. Be like, what picture are we going to put on our website? Well, we have to show diversity. Okay, well then, you know, why, why does the one black girl in your company show up in every photo? Well, that's the only black girl we have. So we've got to show her. But at the same time, like for what we're talking about with our stuff, if you go to our website and look at all the coach trainings, it's all white. So there is no representation. So if somebody's to go look there, they might go, I, those aren't my people. I don't belong. They're not accepting, which is the opposite of the truth. So there's like almost this, like, you've got to open the door somehow. And that's, I feel mm -hmm. like, I feel like we're stuck right there. Like how, uh, we're turning this into my own therapy session, which is awesome. That's what you have a podcast <laughs> for, right? Um, you, and by the way, I think you should totally have a, a your own spot on a television show. Oh, oh thank you. I don't, it will happen. It will happen. It's just well, a matter can, of time. You can do it now. Just do YouTube. Start a YouTube channel. Oh, yes, sure, sure. I do have a podcast, but I know that I'm going to be transitioning to YouTube because now, you know, that's the good thing. Now we've been, we're living in an era where creators are taking that space. Yes. Yes. So if you are a hustler and you know what you what you're doing, you don't need that much support from the established uh, companies. But you yeah. know it's hard. I mean, as an entrepreneur, you know how hard it is. Yeah. But we at least we have that chance that regardless of your background, if you have access to internet and you mm. have access to video, you can kind of you know yes try it on your own. Yeah, that's and, right. And it no longer needs to be. It's no longer judged based on the production quality. Uh, I, mm -hmm. People are attracted to the rawness of the, you know, almost being in the moment because it's un, not produced. And so anybody can go create. It's just taken away all these barriers, which I do love. Mm -hmm. And yeah. authenticity is super important. Right. Yeah. Right. Hey, mm -hmm. Dr. Marisol, let me, let me, let me take a turn here. Because I was looking at you, you have a book coming out in January, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and leadership is a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, I want to unpack that a little bit. Can you, can you kind of give us a sneak peek? Yes. Yes. So just like, uh, when we were talking here at the beginning, Benj just said, well, what do we need to do to make sure that we have people that, are representative of the population that's taking responsibility of why you may not have those results, right? Right now, you may not have as many people that look like me in your program. Taking that of taking action and 
knowing you need to make a change is a way of a bird becoming responsible for the outcomes that they have. So I'm saying it's a responsibility because uh, we have a lot of leaders out there that have title leadership or have the title of a manager, but having that title being responsible for the people that they're leading. They are not taking responsibility of diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're not taking responsibility of the culture that they're building. So if you look at Gallup report, 60% employees hate their jobs. They don't want to go to work. They don't want to be in a company, but it's not because they cannot perform. It's because leadership that in a lot of these companies are toxic. So when did we start voting? We have people for lead to leadership positions because they're your friend or because that was naturally the step from an individual contributor to go into a leadership role. In order for you to be an effective leader, you need to have certain skills. You need to have soft skills you need to co collaborate. You need to be able to take action in a way that benefits not only the outcomes of your company, but your people. You need to take responsibility of your people's experiences at work. So when we go to companies and we see that black women are not represented, when we see that minority women don't feel like they belong, who is creating that environment? The leaders are creating that environment yeah. because people model the leaders. So. I'm saying leadership is a responsibility because if we want to fix a lot of the issues that we have right now in society and in companies when it comes to discrimination, microaggression, the lack of representation, and we really need to make big changes, we need to start from the top bottom. Mm -hmm. So if you're not a leader, if you're a leader that you're not actively being responsible for that inclusivity, for that healthy workplace, then you shouldn't be a leader. Hey, everybody, I got to interrupt this conversation to tell you that this episode is brought to you by one of my favorite companies with some of my favorite people, Titus Talent Strategies. Titus was born out of the frustration with traditional recruiting model and a passion for a better way to do business. They took the traditional recruiting model and totally flipped it on its head. Titus is a people first performance driven recruiting firm. They look at the whole person, the head, the heart, and their briefcase using their hire for performance process, along with key scientific data points generated from predictive index. Titus gets a 360 degree view of your candidate. Looking at all these components will give you the absolute confidence that you're getting the right person for your organization every time. In fact, they totally guarantee it. They're changing the game of talent strategy. And if you'd like to learn more about their process, Visit them today at TitusTalent.com. All right, back to our conversation. Will you give us some, you just used a really interesting word, microaggressions. And I'm, I'm, I haven't thought about this much. I haven't talked about it much. Haven't had conversations about it much. But my, my instinct is that most people that have microaggressions don't know that they're doing it. So will you give a few examples what you mean by that? Yeah, so microaggressions are usually comments that are not wanted or they don't make you feel good because they these comments kind of question your ability or, or question your competence at work. And like you said, it comes from implicit bias sometimes. So people are not aware that they're making these comments to you. But sometimes these are 
explicit. So they come like the person knows what they're doing and they just say things that they, they shouldn't say, right? So a microaggression may say, maybe that, you know, because of the way that I look, you just assume that I'm not an American, right? Because I have an accent, you may assume like, you may ask me, you may ask a question, uh, where are you from, right? And I'm like, if I tell you I'm from Miami, and then you say, no, where are you really from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's yeah. assuming that because I look this way and I have an accent, there is no way that I can be from here. And I've had that microaggression from both sides. So I'm an immigrant. I came from the Dominican Republic, but I'm an American citizen, right? And sometimes when I'm in Hispanic groups, they will, like, and I started speaking Spanish. Spanish is my first language. I would sometimes hear the comment of, well, your Spanish is very good. <laughs> Where did you learn that? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm Dominican. No, 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 no. no <laughs> so it goes both ways, right? And, and you know, it happens in the, in the workplace of, you know, you probably got that position because you're a minority woman. So that's, you're assuming uh. that I'm not competent enough to get that position. That is not because of my credential, but because I checked the box of being black and being a female, then I'm getting all these positions, right? And then it may seem, when you're doing it, it may seem like, you know, it's not a big deal. Maybe they made a mistake. I just assume that you had that position because you, a lot of companies are doing a lot of uh, trying to recruit black women, right? But then what for me, that feels like an aggression because little by little, I start feeling that I only belong in certain spaces because I'm checking a box yeah. and not because I worked my butt off right. <laughs> to right. be where I am today. So I know this is a hard so question. So it, it affects my confidence in the long run. And then right. I start feeling like, you know, why even try? Because yeah. at the end of the day, people are going to think that I'm just here because of my color, not because I'm competent. Right. So do you think those policies help or hurt in the end? So policies against microaggressions? No, the policies where people are incentivized or encouraged to hire to check a box that oh we can it's better cuz this is a minority we're we're filling some quota of minority do those help or do those hurt? Well, I do believe it helps because we do have people, even if you're hiring for quotas, we do have people that are prepared. <laughs> so sure. the, the mentality that if you are having a quota, you will only find black women that are not prepared is uh, kind of this, you see, like it's, it's, it's very serious. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Now you're thinking that, you That's know, if saying, I have a though. quota and the quota is that, you know, I need more Hispanic people for the representation. Why do I absolutely, why do I, why can, do we assume that if it's a Latino person, let's say that they don't have the credentials or the preparation yeah. to take on the role, like they can have all the preparation and credentials and be Latinos. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I saw a cool mm -hmm. website the other day. There's an agency in New York, uh, creative agency. I think they had about a hundred employees, but they had graph on the, like their about us page. They had a graph of. Um, the breakdown of a lot of different um, races, ethnicities within the U.S., like the actual U.S. population. And then below that, they had their makeup as an organization to show where they were off or on with the national average. I thought that was super cool.
That's cool. I mean, I look at this uh, when I, I used to teach before. Um, one of the things that we teach in organizational behavior is that if you want to be happy at your job or if you want to be happy with the company that you're, that you're going to work for as a college student trying to live into the workforce, you need to check whether the culture of the organization is a culture that you will thrive in, right? And for students that are very into social justice, that are very into inclusivity, some of the things that these students will do is that they will look at the hier uh, hierarchical uh, mm, uh, structure mm. of the company yeah. and check who has a leadership position. So you will see all these companies that have like a commitment to diversity and inclusion. Then you look at their leadership and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, so <laughs> is your it? commitment only for administrative assistance? Or yeah, don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> where where it's, are it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. I mean, it's 2022 for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. And 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 you, when you you made a comment that you said, um, what why what are we going to do? We we're just it makes gives you the feeling to why bother, right? But you have to because you're carrying the torch. And and and, mm -hmm. and one day we're gonna. I would like to think we're gonna get there. I can't believe we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. But it's that perseverance, like you said, you worked your butt off, and and we should be looking at merit. We should be looking at uh, competency. We should be looking at all of those things that make up, right? But here we are, here we are, and to, to your point, we go look at in the, the executive level of that company that's diversified, and they're straight up white. Mm -hmm. uh, and in in is more it is so common because like for example i when i used to work before in higher education my picture was plaster all social media for a master's program and you know there's a picture of me a black woman who's pregnant here you know studying uh in this great master's program but i was teaching the master program yeah. so is you have my picture Wow. And you want to show prospective students that you're inclusive, but I'm not good enough to be in the classroom with those yeah, students. Yeah. They'll show your picture as a student, but not as the teacher? Not, not I mean, I, I, they show my picture as like a former student, right? But right. I wasn't even given the opportunity at one point to like teach in the program. And when I was given the opportunity was, you know, a very short, class for the program not like a, a high level class right no, and, and, yeah yeah so we have and that's what's called tokenism right which is oh we have a black woman here let's show her picture so that we can get people in the door and show them that we are diverse but then are you giving me also the opportunity to be in the decision in the decision making, are you giving me the opportunity to also take on these classes? Are you giving me the opportunity to also be at that level of you know uh, to do that level of work? Yeah. And yeah. then used to yeah. think that you know you're you're good for pictures and for representation, but then you're not good for us to give you the opportunity of to move you up the ladder, and that's very bad. I mean, I think for women, for black women. Uh, it does, it, it takes a mental toll on you because you're just, you don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? Well, you, you work so hard against so many other barriers 
that are mm-hmm. maybe not the same barriers for someone else. And mm-hmm. you, you, you reach that point and you're thinking, I earned it. This mm-hmm. is, this is how you succeed. And then you get mm-hmm. there and here we are in 2022 and you're, we still have this, this, and that's what it is. It's not, you know, it's not right. Well, and, and just like you said, something that I would like to mention is um, I, I went through so much struggle and this is, I'm just saying my story, not because you know, we're having this conversation, but like me, there's a lot of people out there. I came to this country when I was 16 by the age of 17, I was homeless. I was homeless for two years. And it was very hard for me to be in Miami by myself with no parental support or anything, right? So you're talking about somebody I had to surf in people's couches while I was going through school in order for me to make it happen, right? I didn't have mommy and daddy sending right. me to school, buying me a Honda so that I could be on air conditioning to go to school. I was taking, <laughs> and I'm just saying that because I met a lot of, I lot of met a lot of kids that is like, oh, my mom and dad gave me a car and and paid for an apartment. I'm like, I slept on a bus last night because right, I, right. I had to work at McDonald's and do sandwiches and clean houses, and it was a lot for me to graduate from school. So here you have a group of students that are graduating and. Every day I had to, it was very hard for me. So I'm going through all these challenges of food insecurity, uh, housing insecurity, uh, sleeping in people's houses. I don't even know who those people are. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) wow. Thank God nothing ever happened to me. And then I'm getting to my point in my life where I'm getting my bachelor's degree, graduated with honors. Then I got for my master's degree, graduating with honors. Then I go for my doctoral degree. I become the first person in my family with a master's and a doctoral degree. And then to then be faced with you're not good enough because of your background or you're not good enough because of your color. You're not good enough. You're just like, what did I do all these years? And then people sometimes that have it easy in life, right? That it's like mommy and daddy, meal plan. In a Honda, <laughs> just yeah. Honda. Yeah, I'm they're just Honda like guy. here. Let me just open the door and just you know, right. I know your mom, I know your dad, and and let me just put you in this position. And those are things that when we look at diversity, equity, and inclusion, is not only about race and gender. We need to talk about social class and how that impacts the trajectory that you have in life. Social Absolutely. class. I mean, when you come from a good social class, sometimes your family can just pick up the phone and say, can you give my son or daughter a job in that company? And then you just go straight there. I met a lot of kids who did that. Like for, in order for me to have an opportunity, sometimes I had to start as a temp because if I went and applied for the higher job, I probably wouldn't get hired. So, but if I, I if I was applying to be a temp overqualified, I had more chances of getting in the job, getting my foot in the door. So, when you're looking at promotion guidelines and how you do diversity and inclusion efforts, you have to think of this. I'm like, how many good talent do you have as an administrative assistant? Not because they want to be in that position, but because they were trying to get their foot in the door. Yeah. They didn't have the connections. In, or or the support to get in a higher position. Who, who are you hoping reads your book, and what are you hoping 
like the book evokes or what what happens what's your so, great question <laughs> so um i i hope that my book is read by women right in working professionals especially leaders that are trying to create a culture of inclusivity um I do think that as women, we have to work together to support each other more. I've interviewed some women that said that some of the worst managers they had were women. Oh. <laughs> uh, so that happens too. We cannot just say, well, because if it's a man, then I'm going to have a harder time. You never know, right? When you're a bad leader, you're a bad leader. So I'm trying to touch the hearts of those leaders, those managers that are not doing their job, that are just in those positions because of status because they're uh, what power they have with that position, but they're not thinking about the people that they are serving. So I'm hoping that my book helps people become better leaders. And I hope that black women, Afro-Latinas and women in general understand that we are, there are a lot of different women out there and we should all have the same chance to get into the workforce, move up the ladder and become leaders in our society. We need our voices heard. And specifically, I would like uh, people to see like this is the things that can happen. Uh, even when you have a when you have a doctoral degree, when you have a master's degree, that sometimes doesn't prevent you from facing microaggression and biases and racism. Um, it's something we need, we have a lot of work to do. So hopefully, my book will evoke a sense of responsibility in people that we're all in this together, and all of us can make real change if we really start to care about one another. So if somebody's listening, you know, you've, you've got a group of listen, leaders, everybody, I think that, that I've met that actually listens to this, you know, they, they're leading in some capacity. That's why they hang out with us. They want to grow in their leadership. What are some very practical steps that you would recommend if, if we're, if anybody's listening and feeling just even the tiniest bit convicted that they could do more, what would you encourage them to do? So when it comes to D&I or increasing the representation, I will say if you're a leader and you have a company and you are working on some projects, think about hiring some minority consultants. If you need a speaker, if you have a, 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 a an event, if you need a coach, think about opening the door to some minority people that have been underrepresented in society. Um, and also uh, make sure that you are, if you have employees that are minority, black women employees, uh, check, you know, from their perspective, what's working and what's not working. We cannot just assume that, you know, we yeah. we should lead everyone the same um, and, and see like what will work for them. And I think, I do believe like leadership is something that, you have to know the people that you're serving and you cannot use a one size fits all approach. And it's very important that if you want to know how to serve minority women, that you listen to them and that you take action. I think that one of the things that I've heard from other women that I've interviewed for my book is that we're tired of the talking. There's a lot of talk. There is a lot of talk on Women History Month. There's a lot of talk on Black History Month. There's a lot of flyers a lot of events, but what happens after the event? How are you making sure that people are paid fairly, that the opportunities are there, that mothers have access to flexible work uh, and uh, flexible work schedules? How are you making sure that people from different backgrounds can succeed in your company? 
So that will say that's that's one practical thing is making sure that your actions are consistent with your intentions. Mm-hmm. The um, I got I got to brag on one of my clients. I'll, I'll leave them anonymous, but we were in their quarterly planning session, and and they've grown a lot, a lot, a lot over the last year, and and they're realizing that they need kind of a a chief people officer, but uh, not necessarily. Um, not necessarily like the HR side, but really just the taking care of the people side. They really truly cherish their people. And they have a, a large population of their employees that are from the Eastern block of, of Europe. And uh, we were talking, we were building this job profile and somebody kind of raised their hand and said, you know, what about this, this one girl that really represents that community that's a large piece of their population. And uh, she barely speaks English and she's been there very short amount of time, like six months, basically a production worker. And now they're in the process of, of making sure that she has, you know, at least enough English skills because they want to put her in this like senior position. She has no, she has no education credentialing anything, but she has already demonstrated exactly what you just said about, she's the one watching out for other people, caring about them, seeing what they need, you know, having the the pulse of the people that are there. And they're like, I can't imagine we could go hire somebody that's been doing it for 10 years and they'd come in with some, you know, manual, but they wouldn't have the heart of this person. And so it was really cool to watch them just say, Hey, I don't think we need to go find this person. I think we already have them. We just need to empower them to do what they're already doing. So I, I don't know if that's on the same, same track or not, but it was really cool. It is. It is. While you were talking about that, I was like, that's exactly what having responsibility in leadership is, is, is you look at one person and if you know that person has potential, then you are as a leader are responsible for developing that talent. Um, and sometimes you will have people, and this, this is the thing about leadership. We usually define leadership with being assertive and being competent and, I mean, being competent is important, right? But being assertive and being extroverted and these qualities that have nothing to do with how you deal with people. And leadership is about people. So if you are good with people and you have the heart for people, then those are, you should be the one getting promoted to a leadership role. But the problem with with society and with companies right now is that we have somebody who's an individual contributor. Let's say that you're very good at selling or you're very good at, at marketing. And you're meeting your numbers all the time because you're very good at marketing and whatever you you put your mind into, it, it gets done in a way that is beneficial for the company. But that doesn't mean that you can be a great leader. You can be a great, great in your technical skills, right. but then you can be terrible with people. Right. And then these are things that we have to wake up as a society and stop promoting people because, oh, that person meets their number. They're great at what they do, but maybe they can, they can be a very toxic leader. So leadership, I've, I've, I've coached uh, executives from companies, from big companies. And one of the things that I've seen is that sometimes these leaders tell me, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm the leader for this team and they're all software engineers because sometimes some of my clients are from tech like Meta and, and Google. And the problem is that I feel that 
they may be judging me because they're better at what they do than I am. Like I was asked to manage this team, but they're all software engineers. They're just all brilliant people that right. have taken coding classes and UX design and all of these classes, right? I don't know how to be a, an authority with people that are smarter than me, right? And I always have to tell them, your skills, like you're not supposed to have the technical skills. You're there as a leader because you're great at bringing people together. That's right. And creating collective results and having people engage and having people loving their job and having people showing up to work and delivering results as a group or as an individual, you're that motivator. So a leader is more inspirational. It's a motivator, somebody who cares. Yeah. And you can be, I am a true believer that you can be the leader of a department, even if you don't know the field, like you can know the field, 100%. but as long as you know the people, yeah, you're going to do great. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you're, you're speaking the language of, uh, yesterday I was in a, a little seminar and the, the CMO of Chick-fil-A was speaking and their whole model was built on competence plus care. Uh, and so, and they, they break that down a bunch of different ways, but you know, you've got to be competent or else nobody's going to come eat your chicken sandwich. Right. But you've also got to care. And if, if um, I'm sorry, it's kindness. It was kindness and competence. And if you have both of those, then people feel like you actually care. Um, so it was, it was the competence side, but also just the kindness side. And what does that actually look like? So you, uh, exactly kind of maybe they're a, a model of a company that's kind of living out what, what you're saying there. Uh, so w one company that I like to, uh, that I s was reading about when I was doing my master's in leadership was the company in and out. Yeah. And I think the company in and out had a model that they said, you, if it's, if that's not a company, I'm sorry, but I think it is. Yeah. That said, yeah. you hire for attitude and you train for skills. Yep. Yep. You can always train for skills, but it's very hard to change somebody's mind and heart. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. I had, I had a client in the service industry and he was building um, a call center and instead of hiring and training uh, customer service skills and then have to train his product skills, he only um, uh, targeted men and women who worked in the hotel industry and specifically like um, in customer representative concierge, like direct contact with the, the, the customer. And so he was hiring these people. They're already trained how to be kind. They're already trained like how to have a, a, a conversation. And so all he had to do was teach them a little bit about his product and he shortened that learning curve dramatically because they had all those skills, the phone skills already. Mm -hmm. It's so important in, in some companies. I'm like, I look at, you know, reviews from companies on Google and things like that. I'm like, who are they hiring? <laughs> you can, you know, you may have like talented people. That's another thing about leadership is that you should be able to spot people's potential, right? Yeah. How can you be a leader of a, of a group? And not being able to understand, you know, you, you look at them, you, you, you examine in the way you understand in a team and how can I make sure that they grow their potential under me, right? 
Um, mm. and, and yeah, like I, said, I, I totally agree. And there is another business model that I like. And this was from the president of Semco in Brazil. Uh, so this person had a business model where he told people, he basically removed all titles and he said, there's nobody here who's a leader or a manager. You know how to do your job. And as, as, as long as you do your job, I don't care if you finish on Thursday. So it was, the job was breaking into parts that were like into projects, deadlines, right? By the end of this week, you need to produce this or you have to do this. If you do it ahead of time, you can have Friday off. If you finish your job by Thursday, take Friday off. And of course, people were delighted to work for this person. They will give yeah. their best. Of course, you know, you have to deal with scheduling and you have to make sure that somebody's in the company and it depends on what type of role they're doing. But it was like that. And also for board meetings, anyone could walk into any board meeting. So you will have people that were working in cleaning, people that were working as a receptionist. They could attend any board meeting and give their opinion. So it wasn't restrictive to the leader. So what happens is when you have people that are working on the floor with your customer and you allow them to come to board meetings, they're going to let you know what your customers are facing because they are there with your customers. Yeah. And if they come to your board meeting and tell you, this is the complaints that I'm having all the time, then you know as a leader how to implement that feedback into your you know, into your business plan or into your performance plan in the future, how to put it in performance plan so that people can, you, your your business can be evolving just naturally because you're having that feedback. I'm curious in your, in your research of, um, you know, we're, we're talking about how the leader acts and treats people. What about self-direction? self-leadership did you have any uh, uh aha moments when you were doing your research about what like the really good leaders what make make uh them good or great so the i wouldn't say that from the research but from the masters uh in leadership i have to read a lot about leaders and how they did things and i do feel like there is some self-direction or self-leadership in the people that became great leaders like mm -hmm. you have to be able to bounce back from failure and resilience and perseverance uh, because leadership can be very hard especially when you are doing the right thing and you're serving people and when that happens how do you respond to crisis how do you respond to an employee uh, having a hard time or having an employee who's going, who wants a promotion, you don't know how to give them the promotion. So there, there is a lot of self-awareness and a lot of self-leadership that comes with leadership. That's why I think that leadership is complex and not everyone is meant to be a leader. Mm. Um, you can learn how to be a leader, uh, it, but you know, what, what, learn how to be a leader, uh, are you going to decide to act accordingly? Because people that go to school, masters in leadership, and then the minute they leave school, like that's out the door. Yeah. Are you willing to implement what yeah. you learn, right? Yeah. And that happens in a lot of fields. Like you go to school, you learn all things. It's like, you go to school to learn. Um, so we read about leadership. I think self-leadership is super important. I think that one of the things that I was able to overcome a lot of the hardships that I had, because I continuously worked on my mindset, on my growth mindset. I yeah. continuously had to motivate yeah. my own.
I had to tell myself and motivate myself to do better. And that's what leadership is. Motivation is about inspiring, to inspire yourself first. Because if I can inspire myself, Bible. Yeah. I love your energy. It feels like we've been old friends and we could sit around and talk for forever. We've got to wrap this up. So tell us when we can get your book, if we can pre-order it now. And if somebody wants to engage with you, learn more about you, where do we send them? Yes. So we, I actually pre-order the book. You can purchase the book right now uh, during this month. And I have a link, link, but it's also LinkedIn. It's on my Instagram. Uh, and those people that pre-order the book will have access to three leadership classes that I will teach uh, privately. So that will be leading, uh, I mean, communicating with different cultures, negotiation, um, and leadership. So I have these classes that will be available online for those people that support me in my journey of becoming an Afro-Latina author <laughs> or a leadership author. Um, and then if they want to find me, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Dr. Marisol Capellan, PCC for professional coaching. Um, and if you need a speaker for uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, Black History Month, a woman, in leader a woman History Month or a leadership training, consider me as your consultant, a speaker or trainer. I will really appreciate it. Actually, it's part of one of the packages I have for my book. What a great offer. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you, Dr. Marshall. We will see you next time. Hey, leader, did you know there's 261 business days in a year? And statistically, most business leaders are balancing about that many opportunities, issues, problems, bouncing around in their head at one time. So we created the261.com. Go there, put your email in, and we're going to organize all those things and send you one daily email that's about this long. It's going to take you about five seconds to read, but it's going to remind you of that thing that you need to remember or that thing you need to do or schedule as a leader to be who you want to be. Go check it out, sign up, follow along. See you there.